Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Urban Fresh podcast. I'm Tanisha. Today, we are interviewing Fanny Marone in Waterbury, Connecticut. Fanny is funny, feisty, and fired up about the work she believes God has called her to in this urban landscape. I just want to make this disclaimer. Fanny and I do not always share the same opinions, but I count her as a sister in Christ because I believe as Christians, we will disagree and still end up in heaven because we believe in the basics and that there is one way to heaven and that way is through Jesus Christ. All right. I hope you will enjoy, as I did, this interview with Fanny Marone. Mm. Um, but I was, uh, I was in insurance industry for like 25 years and that I uh, got my insurance, my real estate license. So I did that for about 45 years, mm-hmm. but, um, through all those years, um, I, um, I've always been an activist, uh, for my community, my city. So I think some of that is how people got to know me. And a lot of it was for real estate. Um, yeah, I always ran a straight ship. I never messed around with people. Um, I think I was pretty straightforward. And I think anybody that I work with could tell you that. Um, I think integrity is probably the most, the best character you can have. So, um, so yeah, so I spent all those years in the public between working and uh, doing uh, community work. Got it. And we'll get more into what type of work you do in the community but what about growing up did you grow up in waterbury i grew up right in this house wow i'm third generation in this house wow and um and so what do you remember the year that your family came here from italy right oh, my my grandmother grandfather and my dad came from italy my mother was born here okay that is do i remember when no no I think he was a teenager, though. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What was life like growing up here in Waterbury? It was wonderful. <laughs> Good. But you know what? That's why I had such a great start. Mm-hmm. That's why I was always like pro Waterbury. Yes. You know, it's changed a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just talking to people all the time that are my in my age group. Right. That remember what it was like. The best place ever mm-hmm. to grow up. Just the best place to grow up. Um, there was a lot of activity. Kids were not in trouble. We could walk anywhere. I, if you talked to anybody, you probably heard that before. Okay. It was a safe, safe place mm-hmm. with uh, families. Okay. Meaning mom, dad, children. Mm-hmm. And we all looked out for each other. Got it. Well, you said that Waterbury was a wonderful place. And I wanted to quote something from... Uh, an article by Ken Burns in PBS, right? It was called The Four Towns, and they featured Waterbury as one of four towns, I guess, that were Mm -hmm. affected by the war. And uh, there's a guy named Tom Chiarlo. I hope I'm saying his name right. C-I-A. Chiarlo? C-I-A-R-L-O. Is that how you say it? Chiarlo. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he says, this is a quote from him, Waterbury at that time during the war was, sorry, Waterbury at that time during the war, you could almost compare it to a miniature Times Square. Can you relate to yeah. that type? Yeah. 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 It was that busy. Yeah. It was a lot of it, especially here in the North End. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like the place to go. 
the best restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, we had roller skating. We had uh, we had all kinds of dancing. Wow. Dancing was the big thing, especially in like the fifties. Mm -hmm. um, you could dance, dance your heart out every every weekend. There was <laughs> something going on. There was never a lack of something to do. Mm -hmm. We had amazing, amazing stores downtown. Beautiful clothing. The women all wore hats. So we had Oakler's hat shop. Um, and I just, we still laugh sometimes when my friends and I get on the elevator, get on an elevator like in City Hall or something, you know, and we always say, lingerie, you know, what, what, what floor would you like? It was a fun <laughs> floor all just for lingerie and one for just hats. It was wow. just, it was called Holland Hughes. It was right downtown in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. Big, mm -hmm. huge building, like four stories, I think it was. Right. And all that went away, right? Yep, yeah. it did. So, as you know, Waterbury is known as the brass city because of the amount of that material, I guess, that was made here. Yeah. Do you remember any of your family members working in that industry? Um, yeah, I think my grandfather okay. probably did mm -hmm. because of he came here we didn't live on the street we lived in the east end you know he must have made enough money mm -hmm. to buy us a one family house in the east on Walker street okay and Walker street was just woods mm -hmm. and there were five little um cape cod houses and we had one of them okay that was about all that was up there there was no you know what Walker street looks like now yes. with all the stores and uh Restaurants, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, and then he, I had friends that lived in this neighborhood. And um, all multifamily houses. And we decided that this is where we wanted to be. So everyone spoke Italian here and, um, and English. So we moved here to be with all of our uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and, you know, whatever, distant cousins. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we came here. Mm -hmm. I've been here ever since. Wow. <laughs> so Waterbury obviously changed after the Second World War. And how, how did that affect your family? So you said you, you think somebody was working in the brass industry in your family. Yeah. Did it impact you in any way um, or your family? No. No. Um, my mom was went to work in the, we call this the rubber shop mm -hmm. in Naugatuck. Mm. Um so she was she was fine. She used to work on the conveyor line. Yes. I remember one year she asked me when I was a, a teen, mm -hmm. you know, like working age. Right. She says, You want to come to work with me? And I knew the money was good. I said, Yes. Oh well bad thing that was. Because they put me on the conveyor belt. Uh -oh. And I was pokey and everybody was yelling at me, Come on, speed it up, speed it up. But yeah, she was working there. Mm -hmm. And my dad, um he was he was a, a projectionist the theaters oh. so he would go from one theater to another wherever he was yeah so he was always busy working okay and then at some point he opened his own little uh, like a newsstand mm -hmm. new shop mm -hmm. you know so he was doing that and he was doing it was pretty industrious i guess yeah <laughs> sounds like your dad was uh was an entrepreneur yeah right mm -hmm. good good so i i suppose that because they weren't in that industry the brass industry didn't affect them as much as other people Right, the, the the end of the World War and and the industries moving out of Waterbury. 
why do you think you're okay? So at some point, Waterbury decided it started changing, right? So in the six seventies and eighties, I read somewhere things started to decline. Why do you think were your parents around that time? Seventies, eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Why why do you think uh they decided to stay in Waterbury, even when things were changing? Family. Family, yeah. We've always been about family. Got it. That was more important than anything else. What was going on, right? Mm-hmm. Got it. What would you say you learned from your parents that you've, you're teaching or you have taught your children or grandchildren? What lessons do you think you learned from your parents that you're passing down or have passed down to your kids and, and grandkids? I think probably the importance of family. Mm-hmm. We're still really close. Yes. My daughters and my grandchildren, uh, my brothers mm-hmm. are still alive and they're reaching my age pretty quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah you know we're still here we still have family we're not going anywhere right got it and we have you. to take the whole bunch of us and go you know? so <laughs> that would be a big exodus that would be an exodus <laughs> <laughs> all right so i wanted to switch a little bit now to talk about your conversion story and the ministry and and you know things that are happening now mm-hmm. when would you say you came to know jesus I think I always knew Jesus because mm. even little, that was another thing. You know, faith was always, it, it wasn't like my family was big church goers. Okay. We did go to church, mm-hmm. but, um, and I always knew about Jesus because we always said our little bedtime prayers and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, but it was like, that was about it. And uh, so I always knew Jesus. Yeah. And I, I really believe he always took care of me. Mm-hmm. Because I've never in my whole life, no matter what the situation, been without. And I've had plenty of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I don't know. I think when I really learned a lot more about Jesus and um, was when I went to First Assembly of God, which is now House of Prayer. What age was that? Ah, only about 25 years ago. Okay. So I was pretty, you know. On for mm-hmm, years, mm-hmm. Uh, I had always gone to Catholic church. Okay, so I went to St. Thomas, which is right up the street. Okay, and I went to St. Thomas School, which mm-hmm. is also right up the street. So um, that was the kind of community this was. Mm-hmm. You know, I went there, and we had a, a regular secular school over here, which was Bishop School. So we were surrounded by schools and mm-hmm, churches. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, when I went, when I met Pastor James Lilly. Um, I just felt listening to him speak one day that this is the kind of man that I want to learn from mm-hmm. because he didn't speak as a preacher. He spoke as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to that church and um, I immediately knew that I wanted to be baptized again mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I was baptized in the Catholic church. You know, right. you're born, um, you have no choice. <laughs> You're just baptized, yeah. you know? And then, um, so yeah, so at First Assembly is really where I began to really study the Bible mm-hmm. and get into the Word, you know, which strengthened me. And uh, and Jesus proved me so many times that mm-hmm. he is exactly who he says he is. Right. So I know I could always count on him. I am a firm believer mm-hmm. in the power of Jesus Christ to overcome any situation. 
every situation. Right. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's right. who I am. What was your family's reaction to your going from Catholic to an oh, fine. evangelical my came church? With me. Did you? <laughs> okay, so she was also a member of the church yeah. of the new church. Yeah, okay, that's very interesting. Okay, I've heard some conversion stories that didn't go so well. Oh you no, know? no, ours yeah. was great. Okay. a whole bunch of us just yeah. You left. You left the Catholic church as long as my mother was okay with <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. You okay. Know, we all kind of went. Whoopee! We had a whole row of us up there. Yeah. You know, got it. Got it. Got it. What would you say would be an experience that differed in your from your Catholic faith to now the evangelical side of things? How how did that transition work for you? Did you notice anything that was very different in your experience of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> okay. But you know what? Um, the only reason I stayed in the Catholic Church as long mm-hmm. as I did was because my mom. Okay. Okay, to okay. respect her right. and honor her, she wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, she just said, when the church closed, that's what happened. Oh, St. Thomas Church closed. Mm-hmm. One of the first early ones to close. Now you see how many are closing. Are closing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughters and I were searching for a church mm-hmm. to go to. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I heard Pastor James that I said to the girls, let's try this church. And we went and we stayed. Wow. So like, we're still members. Never, never and left. And my mom passed away. We had her celebration there. Okay, very nice. Yeah. Um, and how how would you say your life changed after your conversion at, at this church, the new church? Well, I've always been an activist, mm-hmm. but now I realize that my activism should become a ministry. Okay. And um, it just put a different spin on things, but not a whole lot. I mean, it's always ready to be out. Side mm-hmm. doing something, I'm a doer. Got it. I'm not a sitter. I'm mm-hmm. a doer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so after being in the church in uh, first assembly for a couple of years, I said to pastor, "You know what? I I want to I want to be outdoors. I want to be in the inner city. I you know we need to be converting not converting people, but talking to people about Jesus outdoors, not just inside." He said, "What do you want to do?" And I said. I don't know, some kind of an outdoor ministry. He said, well, do it. That's how my pastor is, okay? It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not like, well, let me help you. No, it's like, you go do it. I said, well, where do I start? He says, you always start in your own Jerusalem. Start in your home city. I don't want to do it there. It's miserable there. It's strong infested. It's this and that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I think that's where you should go. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So that's how I started. Um, I mean, even before that, when it wasn't a ministry, I was out there marching against drugs, marching against guns. So much fighting for, for justice in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean racial stuff. Mm-hmm, I'm talking, mm-hmm. we were always together, black, white, anybody right. who lived here, we worked together. So I today I don't like all this stuff that's going on. I think it's bringing us back to racism mm. where there isn't any. Mm. So, um, so yeah. So we had you know we were together here. We had an association that was about a hundred members. Wow. Yeah, it was one of the biggest associations, one of the earliest associations, and um, so that's what Crown Brook's all about, and that's you know where the name came from. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
yeah, so it came from there. So I was kind of used to all that stuff. So to do it as a ministry was not like not a big step for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm finding myself in my own neighborhood, you know, having spiritual warfare, um, only at a different level, mm-hmm. on a more powerful level, actually. Right. And finding how many people really needed to know Jesus, mm-hmm. that needed to be saved from this horrible, drug infested city. Not even the city, but the nation that mm-hmm, we live in. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. gotten worse over the years instead of better. So, um, yeah, I guess that's all I could tell you about that. So the ministry started just with pretty much, I can't even believe, I can't even begin to tell you what it was like here. I would love to hear you say it. I, I was just going to quote something for you. Um, some of the, this is a from a Forbes magazine article. This is back in, let's see, 2013, August 1st, written by a guy named Jim Powell. Okay, so it says, in 1992, Money Magazine surveyed 300 U.S. metropolitan areas and considered Waterbury to be the worst. <laughs> when was that? Oh, this is this was written 2013, but this is a 1992 Money Magazine article. He, this number two, he says, Waterbury made the places rated almanac list of the 10 worst places to live in America. Third one, April 2008, Forbes considered Waterbury one of the worst places for businesses and careers in America. The last one, in 2013, Atlantic Magazine analyzed 10 million tweets by place of origin and concluded that Waterbury was one of the saddest American cities. Wow, so I it's, didn't know that. It's changed a lot since, um, mm-hmm. since war, the World War II or end of World War II. And the nice uh, Waterbury that you know is, is no, longer, no longer here. Yeah, yeah. So you, you said you wanted to tell us some how bad it was. How bad was it? Okay, well, just to tell you, just around right right around me. Okay, you know, um, in this block, I mean, there were all um, there probably were five abandoned houses on the street, mm-hmm. uh, really falling down houses, and right next door to me, Vinny's house was one of them. Mm. Across the street, the two houses across the street that are all remodeled and done, looking nice. Another two, uh, and a couple down down the quarter. So, um, and as an activist, that's why I was always fighting and had the kids. We had a lot of kids. I don't see many kids around here anymore. Mm. There were a lot of young kids. I'd say that five, seven, eight bracket. You know, mm-hmm. and we all made signs. I have so many pictures to show you, Tanisha, when we have a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, and we would march the streets. You know, no drugs, no guns. We had T-shirts that said it, and it, this went on for years and years and years. You know, and and then we started cleaning, cleaning. That was the first thing even we did with the doctor block. We started just cleaning the streets, mm-hmm. walking around with garbage bags. Nice. And um, and then we had a little Crown Book Center that was given to us um, at the beginning of my real estate career. I sold Five Hill Street, which is a big apartment building down at the end of Hill Street, at the corner. Okay. Hill and Burton. Okay. And Not coming to mind right now, but okay. Yeah. I'm sure it's there. <laughs> yeah. Big white building. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I sold that and the people that bought it renovated the whole thing. And they asked me if I wanted to have a little office oh. in the building. Wow. And because they wanted to keep away the drugs yes. and they wanted me to get good tenants in the building. And they said, as long as you're in the building, we'll feel more secure about 
buying this building? I said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I came, got to be like a caretaker um, kind of manager. Okay. A little bit. And so I rented all the apartments and he gave me the downstairs. Um, it was only one room and a kitchenette. But we had so many birthday parties, all kinds of things. The kids were always included. Um, we started um, doing some gardening, mm-hmm. which has always been my thing, too. My hobby, you might say. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had farmers in the hood. The kids named it themselves, the farmers in the hood. We made them uh, little sweatshirts and mm-hmm. T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And they farmed. They planted. They learned so many things. Um during that time. And um, so Adopt a Black kind of just carried all that on to bigger gardens mm-hmm. and uh, and bigger pieces of land. We took pieces of land all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so people from Crown Brook and people from Adopt a Black kind of combined, combined forces mm-hmm. a few times. And then another group came up called uh, Front Porch. We went out and we cleaned people's yards and we did repairs, minor repairs. I would like to start that up again, but at my age, I don't know if I have the energy to do all that again. I know. But I have people who I think will mm-hmm. would want to do that. And um, and it was all volunteer and we paid for all the paint and every the wood, whatever we needed. Um, so, you know, so many things that we've done in this neighborhood, but it started out as a pretty bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And now, as you see, even though around us may still be tough, um, it's a darn safe, good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you could walk around again. Yeah. So, yeah. Was that something that you were very, very concerned about earlier? And would you, what time, what year would you say things got really, really bad? The worst you, 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 you saw it? Maybe like 19... In the 98, okay, late 90s. I think, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Got it. So you mentioned some of the improvements. What are some of, you think, your biggest, maybe not necessarily yours, but yours and the city's greatest accomplishments in terms of turning things around in, in Waterbury? Well, I think the cities, I, I can't speak for the city so much. Okay. Uh, because they've been so busy working for years, working on brownfields and stuff mm-hmm, like that, left mm-hmm. from those factories okay. that became abandoned, that eyesores, and you find them in a lot of the towns um, in New England. You see the big haystacks, and, I mean, not haystacks, what do you call them? Yeah, maybe you do. The silos? The big, yeah. Okay. They, there's, yeah, the chimneys, actually. Oh, okay, chimneys, okay. Yeah, from the smoke from the factories. I see, okay. So not silos, mean, those are on barns, on, on yeah, farms. yeah. <laughs> So, okay. Yeah, you see those all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that all died. There was all that left. So, uh, and the current mayor has really tackled a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Previous ones have kind of just kind of ignored them. But okay. it makes the city ugly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ugly. So, um, where was I going with that? You, we were talking about the greatest accomplishments, but I wanted oh, yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what was, what was, um, Ours is a neighborhood. Yes. Okay. I think uh, the cleaning. Cleaning up. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember one time when I cleaned, probably the beginning of, it's so hard to explain all of it because it was so different mm-hmm. even 15, 20 years ago. Okay. All right. There the, there was a big, huge uh, brick block 
mm-hmm. at the end of our street where we now have um, all the adoptive block events. Okay. In that little park. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a big, um, I think it was a six-story brick building. Wow. Yeah, big apartment building. Mm-hmm. Okay. And across the street from there was another one, um, but it was only um, maybe three stories high. Mm-hmm. So it was just depressing. Yeah. You know, the bricks would fall off once in a while. Nobody was living in them. Oh, and it's wow. just, that was really bad. Um, so we had to fight, get that down. Mm-hmm. And once we got that down, then we had this bare piece, huge big piece of land. Mm-hmm. Um, they still had the foundation on it. Couldn't grow anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got the city. So this is, I guess, the point where I was going is the city was very helpful to every administration from Bergen and, you know, everybody. When I called, they pitched in. So they were interested in in helping fix neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, But Crown Brook also was a neighborhood that helped itself. So we got a lot of favor. And we still get a lot of favor. Because the mayor knows if I go see him, I go with the solution, not a complaint and the problem that I want him to fix. Mm-hmm. So um, I think because of that attitude, we've had a lot of favor with the city. Good. Yeah. Good. So um, they came in and they uh, put down soil. But one year, I mean, it took quite a few years mm-hmm. to get it to where it is now. And then another year, they seeded it and we grew grass. Nice. It's still we know we know the foundation's still under there because mm-hmm. every time we go to put a sign up, we're hitting rock. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not easy, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, so that that made a lot of difference. So mm-hmm. it was the cleaning, yeah, working with the city, uh, getting them to do the things that we needed to do to mm-hmm. turn the drugs away. I took down another building on Burton Street. That was another big. This is a place of big apartment buildings because the people work in the factories. They had to have a place to live. Mm-hmm. So all these multi-families were available right so. I, i've also seen that we're having um developers come in from new york to to renovate these big buildings yeah, some now, they are. yeah some they bought and just raised the rent so yeah. i don't like that well, so much mm. so we'll have to see how we can handle that right no kind of okay so we talked about the things that made you your family stay it's, it's family and w- why do you think you're staying now? So your family, I, I would imagine some of your family members are not exactly here in this Waterbury area anymore. Am I right? Nope. No, I'm, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Most of your family's still here. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Didn't know that. <laughs> you know what, Fanny? I just assumed that they were away. <laughs> yes. Very good. Very good. Awesome. So family is making you stay. And um, do you sometimes second guess yourself about staying? Thinking maybe in 10, 15 years ago, I should have left. Do you think about that sometimes? No. no? <laughs> You're steadfast, unmovable. I am. <laughs> Good. How would you... If I somebody would be bored. Would you? Yes. Okay. I have a daughter who lives in Watertown. Yeah. She lives in a beautiful home with a lot of, you know, like five acres of land around wow. it and everything. Uh-huh. And I know that if I wanted to live with her, I could live with her in a minute. I would be bored. I have to be... I'm a city person. I need action. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know what I would do. I, I don't know what I would do. I, I can't do that. Okay. So I'm, I'm here. This is the place for you. This is the Waterbury. place for me. Okay. Would you encourage somebody to move to Waterbury? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. We have a lot of work to do. 
I I am particularly concerned with downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, once they did the malls, you know, everybody went to the malls. All the store, all the little stores that were great closed, and we have a different culture. You know, we have a different culture that's here that require different things. So mm-hmm. a lot has changed that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, but the, again, the city's trying to incorporate everybody into, you know, like a Saturday, there's the gathering, mm-hmm. which is amazing. There's people from all over. Yes. You know, even our church, we represent uh, 40 different nations. Wow. Yeah, so there's people from all over that come to our church, and mm-hmm. I love it. Some come with the beautiful costumes of, on Sundays, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you can come with your jeans, or you can come beautifully dressed, whatever you want to do. It's a, kind of open that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the gathering is something that the city thought would be a great idea, and it is, and every year it's successful. Mm-hmm. So I, I pray that this year it's going to be great, and people are going to get together and get along and taste each other's food, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there'll be no violence. Yeah. Yeah. In past years it's it's been very peaceful, right? Mm-hmm. Have we had any issues of violence in the yeah. past? Right. So far it's been very so good. So far, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to go this this time around. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share a personal story in that vein. When we after we moved here, we went back to New York to visit. And somebody said to me, I would not live in Waterbury if it was the last place on earth. What would you say to that person? I'd say okay. <laughs> okay, enough said. Um, yeah, that was actually what somebody told me. It was I, I was flabbergasted, but um, in any case, okay, yeah. I'm going anyway. Right? <laughs> we're, we were we had already moved, okay. so there was no turning back. <laughs> it was too late. What gives you hope for Waterbury, Fanny? Well. It's important to have people in the administration <laughs> that are willing to work with the citizens. Uh, it's important for them to work in the neighborhoods. Uh, to continue taking, you know, I would like to see the city take like one neighborhood at a time and just get in there, clean it up real good, help to trim the trees and all the shrubs that make everything look messy and dirty and just um, kind of concentrate. I once had this idea, but nobody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> I thought it'd be great to divide the city into quarters. Okay. Okay. North, south, east, west, right? Okay. And just assign cleaning groups mm-hmm. or, you know, landscape, not landscapers, but, you know, uh, people that would mow and keep it clean and have those machines out cleaning all the streets mm-hmm. and have a group assigned to each quarter. Okay. And they were responsible to keep it clean. And if we had a problem, then we would contact them instead of having to contact City Hall all the time for everything. It would take some pressure off of them. So um, anyway, I thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Okay, well, maybe th- we have to push that one. I think so. I think we've got a new mayor coming up, so we'll have to attack. He might like that idea, funny. Or she. Oh, or she. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I, as I mentioned in the introduction, that you are on the board of um, Urban Fresh Gardens, the, yeah. the nonprofit that Gregory founded. What made you decide to be a part of that? Um, well, I told you I'm a gardener at heart. Yeah. So just to see more land taken as green space and um, 
providing produce for the people in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. there's what's wrong with that? There's nothing to be found wrong with that. Right. Nobody could even speak anything against that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, it's giving to the neighborhood. And um, I just happen to like Greg and Tanisha. <laughs> and I find them uh, faithful, truthful people that I could trust. So that made a big difference. It wouldn't be just anybody coming in. I would be kind of worried about who would come in and take over. So, um, you know, it's just another place in the neighborhood that's I know is solid. We have the gardens down on Burton Street, which we happen to have started, adopt the block. And now neighborhood housing services usually is, is more interested in it than, mm-hmm. you know, has the time and the people uh, to keep the upkeep. Right. than we do mm-hmm. so um yeah okay well you mentioned what, what i i think i was asking before what makes you hopeful what what nuggets of hope do you see in the city that makes you think we're we're turning for the better waterbury is going to get better what are some of those things that you're seeing that makes you say mm, things are changing for the better mm. well I don't know. That's it's not a hard question, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's like you know. Sometimes I see things, and for the better. Yeah. It's like maybe a business moves in, and then I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when they can't make it, mm-hmm. and they move out. Yeah. So, um, but we do have in this administration people working on that all the time. Okay. They work hard mm-hmm. to bring business into the city. Mm-hmm. So and I have faith in them that they're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. Right. What do you think has been, we're almost done, but what do you think has been your greatest challenge as an urban missionary, somebody working in this city? What, what has been your greatest challenge? And, and how did you overcome those, if you have? You know, it's overcoming those things are, it's like eternal. It's never going to be <laughs> overcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As long as there's people out there you know, it's a it's a give and take all the time, mm-hmm. and um, I just I just pray that people would be more willing to come out and volunteer their time, mm-hmm. whether as a Christian uh, talking about Jesus mm-hmm. or just volunteering their time just to keep the neighborhood clean. Mm-hmm. I I would love to see each uh, homeowner. Or tenant mm-hmm. come out and clean in front of their house mm-hmm. um, and communicate with their landlords. You know, look at the grass is two feet high. You need to come because you can get a ticket for that. Mm-hmm. People don't even know um, that there are rules and regulations, and some don't care, of course. Right. So we're always going to have people like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a hard to overcome thing. Yeah, it's a big challenge. Yeah. Something you think we're going to be having to overcome for a while, or maybe never. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, what would be your encouragement to other urban missionaries serving in in cities, um, trying to tell others about Jesus and trying to be good neighbors? You know, as people who are people of example. Uh, well, how would you encourage them to keep going? Mm. Well, before. Um, COVID, mm-hmm. oh, I hate that word, but <laughs> before COVID, um, my mission 
was to go out and knock on doors. So it wasn't just around here. It was further up and further down <clears throat> and all around. So we would just go out every Saturday and just, or not every Saturday, but, you know, every few Saturdays. Mm -hmm. And we just go knocking on doors. You know, Hi, I'm so-and-so. You know, I just want to tell you that we're doing this Saturday or we're, or, you know, do you know Jesus? Would you like some literature? Or I, I wasn't a, anything pushy. So uh, I got to tell you a story. One morning, <laughs> we're knocking on this guy on this guy's door. Obviously, I didn't know it was a guy because we had never been to this house before. It was an apartment building. Knocking his door. And this guy opens the door and he looks at us like a total shock. Now, there's four or five of us standing outside i'm on his stoop and um and i in the way he looked at me which is so funny i said what didn't you expect to see five beautiful women outside your door <laughs> <laughs> and he just broke up well he became you know we got to know him a little yes. bit over the over the weeks you know but he thought that was the funniest thing oh. you know um but you never know and but after covid it wasn't comfortable anymore first of all we didn't want to go out with a mask mm. um and have people without a mask answer their door. That wasn't good. That wasn't right. So we stopped doing that. And then um, we never really got back to doing it. Because mm -hmm. then the violence was so crazy. We didn't know who would answer the door. Mm -hmm. um, whether they have a knife or, or I mean, a gun in their hand ready for an enemy to attack them or mm -hmm. something. It was mm -hmm. just us, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, cute little women standing there. <laughs> 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 when you get older, you get cute. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that changed everything mm -hmm, again. Mm -hmm. So then we just went back to being down at the park, setting up our table, and um, having literature there. And we always say prayers here. You know, we need prayer for anything. Mm -hmm. And did, did um, the last time we were out, I think Fred came along. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if he must have seen the guy that was having trouble walking. After prayer, he was dancing. Oh, wow. And dancing and, and just praising God and singing. It was wow. the funniest thing. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful, you know? But so many people don't know where to go mm -hmm. or don't even think about it or maybe think about it but still put it aside. But when you're walking down the street and you see people having fun and praising God mm -hmm. and uh, with a sign saying, yeah, we're here for you if you need prayer, you know, they come. Mm -hmm. They come. And I know um, there's a lot of organizations that do stuff that always do it. It always includes food. Okay. And um, I was thinking about that when we started up this year. But then I felt God say, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to have a big, big to do, you know, and uh, serve food to people every time you go out and everything. Um, he said, you need to just be there. People will find you. Mm -hmm. I'll send who I need to send. Okay. So I said, well, okay. You know, it was like kind of hesitating. So the only food that we provide ever, and that's only when we have it, is food that's fresh, fresh mm -hmm. from the inner city, uh, from our, our own uh, gardens okay. in the neighborhood. Other than that, we don't take food from anywhere else. And uh, I have a friend who likes to bake, so she bakes homemade cookies. Very nice. And we'll probably give those out um, on a Saturday when we're out. And um, that's about it. Okay. So 
I, th- I guess you would encourage the urban missionaries to not always bring food to attract people, right? Is that one of the things? Yeah, that's okay. the thing. They yeah. just come for the food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know once they come for the food that you're going to be able to talk to them right. and get their attention. Right. Um, but mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that's that's the big point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have to have a heart. Right. For Jesus mm-hmm. and retain that, um, which we, you know, we give them Bibles you know, once they um, they receive Jesus, mm-hmm. which is a privilege. It really is, you know. And the promises that are given to you when you receive Jesus mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. So why be foolish and reject? You know, how's your life going now without him? Mm-hmm. I think most people could say, oh, it's not that great. <laughs> if they're honest. Yes. Honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see people walking by that look so sad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when we just say, hi, how are you? You know, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Oh, not so good. Well, come on over. Come on over. Have a, have a glass of lemonade on mm-hmm. us. Have, have some cookies. You'll enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And sit mm-hmm. and talk to us. Yeah. You know, and people are, so we bring in extra chairs. You'd be surprised. Sometimes we start out with just a few people, and sometimes we end up with a whole bunch. Very nice. And so we need chairs for them to sit on and just have a conversation. Mm-hmm. One person says to me, I don't have any friends. That's what you do now. You just made one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hospitality is important. Oh, Having yeah. conversation with them. Yes. The converse is, is important, I too. I think yeah. the most important thing is that we ended up doing is two things. That's mm-hmm. Dr. Black. Building a community, um, having the events so that people could come in the community, come together. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not for people all over the place. Right. Okay. They can come, you know, but it's for the neighbors because people don't talk to each other anymore. They don't even know who their neighbor is. Mm-hmm. I have so many friends who live in affluent places. Not that they're affluent, but they just happen to have, you know, maybe their house has been there. They've been there for years and right. people have moved in with. They don't know anybody. Mm. They say, I don't know my neighbor. I've been there 20 years. Yeah. Well, come to my neighborhood. <laughs> we all know each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we hang out. And and you get, that's a day where you hang out together. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. What do you want your, in the next 50 years, what would you like to be remembered <laughs> for? Years. Next 50 oh, years. Okay. What would you like to be remembered for? <gasps> Be a happy person. Yeah, being a happy person. Okay. Anything else? What about your impact in the community? I'd like people to think of me as just being somebody that I could always talk to. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, somebody was always upbeat. That you, you know? are. And always willing to make meet a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's For good sure. Enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read a verse and I want you to tell me what it means to you. This is Galatians. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> just, to t- just tell me what it means to you. Yeah. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean to you? It's not a Bible quiz, just a personal reflection. Well, I think as I get older, I realize how important that is. Uh But yeah, I don't live for myself. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I think about, I am so, I am a happy person. Yes, I've you are. I've always been mm -hmm. a happy person, even as a kid. Yeah. And um, I watched somebody who knows me as a kid said, oh, I remember her. She was, <laughs> <laughs> she was a nasty little girl. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm content mm -hmm. is the word mm -hmm. I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm content with my life. Okay. okay. I don't live in a beautiful place and I don't live in a gorgeous neighborhood. And I don't have everything that I want, mm -hmm. but I have everything I need. Mm -hmm. And yes, Christ lives in me. Mm -hmm. That's more important to me than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Than anything else. Yeah. And I, I realize that more and more as I get older. Mm -hmm. Probably most of us will find that, you know, as we get older. So. Yeah. Well, nothing's important anymore. Right. It's not. It's all secondary, mm -hmm. if even that. Yeah. You know? But my goal is yeah, reach my father who's waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite excited about it, actually. Very good. I am looking forward to it. So am I. So I'm just here mm -hmm. because he wants me here. And there must be a reason he wants me here. Mm -hmm. Although, I, you know, some days I'm like, why? What do you want me to do now? <laughs> I'm 84. What am I going to do now? Uh -huh. you know? uh -huh. But. Whatever he wants me to do, I have to be ready to do it. Yeah. You know, meantime, you just live your ordinary days, right? Very good. I've had this question in my mind a lot, especially because of where we live now here in Waterbury and where I'm moving from. The part in the Bronx where we were was not, <laughs> was definitely not affluent. But where do you think if, if Jesus were to come back now, say he was coming back for the first time? The Where first do you, time? For the first time. Oh, okay. That's a yeah. fun yeah. question. Pretend, <laughs> pretend he didn't come already. He's coming back now for the first time. Where do you, which neighborhood do you think he would live in? Probably mine. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because of all the action. Yeah, know? all the action. A lot of action. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't about to live out in the woods somewhere, yeah, yeah, you know, in yeah. a pretty place. Right. Well, he lived in Capernaum. Yeah. I mean, he chose Capernaum to do his ministry mm -hmm. down in space. Mm -hmm. And from there, he shot off everywhere. Waterbury mm -hmm. is center in this neighborhood is the center of mm -hmm. waterbury mm -hmm. and you could shoot out from anywhere from here yeah and be anywhere in 10 15 minutes right or southeast west so i yeah i think he would probably be here yeah i was reading some something online about uh the neighborhood jesus grew up in and uh the fact that nathaniel when he heard where jesus was from he's like can anything come good come out of right. Nazareth? And you heard that about Waterbury, that's right? right. Okay. That's right. It made me <laughs> very hopeful. I don't know why. I'm getting chills now thinking about it, but I feel as though um, Waterbury and other places like our neighborhood have a very special place in Jesus's heart. And I think as Christians, we have to be careful about how we talk about the places that are not so great, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Because then we are people of promise. We're people of hope. And wherever we go, we should always be hopeful. Right about our neighborhoods or every other neighborhood that's not as that's not so nice so thank you so much fanny i really enjoyed our talk and um we're looking forward to many more years of good hard ministry um, right, in waterbury right. yeah. <laughs> hi did you enjoy this episode i hope you did if you would like to learn more about us please Contact us at urbanfreshgardens.com. That's urbanfreshgardens.com.
www.thepurposeofgiving.com. We can't wait to connect with you.